0: Welcome, everyone, to the Ready for the Draft podcast. I am your host, Greg shoots This is episode nine of the 2022 podcast series, where we take a look at the draft-eligible prospects and get you ready for the NFL draft set to begin in April 2022. Well, it's still October 2021, which means September already in the past. We're looking ahead to conference play, and really things are starting to shape up a little bit in terms of what we can expect for the remainder of the season. Alabama and Georgia look like they're for real. And with Alabama and Georgia both, they went up against Ole Miss and Arkansas this past weekend. And what you saw with with both teams were really the physicality up front, and that's really the difference between them and just about everybody else at the top of the rankings right now. And really, with Alabama, you have Brian Robinson, really a one-cut-and-go type of runner, bruising, physical running back. But he actually showed off some some decent feet, showed off the ability to drop his pads, run through contact, and really was that bell cap. ran for over 175 yards. You know, you've got Evan Neal out there on the outside doing his thing. He looks like a top five pick. I think he's got that locked down. And then with Georgia, the same thing. Really, you know, a a dose of, of Zamir White crowd chanting Zeus every chance they got. You also have James Cook in the backfield, Kenny McIntosh, Kendall Milton so it didn't matter who they put back there at running back and the thing with it is is you have Jamari Sawyer and you have Justin Schaefer, two guys who are going to be playing guard at the next level these guys they're run blockers and that's really the biggest thing Sawyer would have been exposed going up against Trey Williams if they were throwing the ball you know 30 40 times a game Trey Williams is one of those pass rushers that, look, they were able to get home with a three-man rush against Texas A&M. And yes, I know that, that Williams was going up against a couple of, of freshman tackles, but the, the ability the get off, his ability to bend coming off the edge, he's an ascending prospect, a guy that can play both uh, you know, with his hand in the dirt in a 43, stand-up edge rusher in a, in a 3-4 defense as well, uh, the transfer from Missouri, this is a guy... Who I believe was leading the SEC in sacks, and Georgia completely neutralized him. Uh, with, with Ole Miss, their their defense going against Alabama, they're really designed to defend the spread. And when you go up against that run, you know that that run game, they just didn't have an answer for it. So Alabama and Georgia, and then really everybody else, you've got a, a big Big Ten matchup. Uh, with Iowa and, and Penn State. And I'll tell you what, it's going to really be an interesting matchup. I think, you know, with Iowa, with their physicality. I like Tyler Goodson, the feet, oh my goodness. This guy, the lateral quickness, The lateral agility. Tyler Linderbaum leading that uh, inexperienced offensive line you know they lost some guys from, from a year ago um, but man their their offense looks really potent and then defensively very opportunistic you got Jack Campbell a guy who's only a junior he'll be coming back for one more year Zach Van Valkenburg he'll end up probably being a, a midday three pick for Iowa but just another defensive end coming for the Haw- the Hawkeyes and then their secondary they have both Riley Moss and Matt Hankins there at the cornerback position Riley Moss you know he's a 62 corner has a you know really good length very opportunistic instinctive uh, corner there so they have a lot of guys that they can move through that defense Penn State man you want to talk about linebacker you they have three four linebackers that you can go to whether it's Brandon Smith you know Curtis Jacobs, Ellis Brooks, Jesse Lucchetta. Secondary, and and again, we'll be talking about secondary here in a moment. Jaquan Brisker, one of the top safeties in the draft. uh, And, uh, you know, Tariq Castro-Fields. And so you've got a lot of players there defensively. Up front, you've got Rasheed Walker, a guy who's going to probably come off the board on day two at left tackle. And Jahan Dotson, maybe one of the more underrated wide receivers in all of college football uh, so we've got some interesting matchups that are going to be coming in this coming weekend really be fun to watch um, what I you know and obviously with, with Alabama taking on a you're going to get to see DeMarvin Leal for the Aggies go up against Evan Neal one-on-one that's going to be a battle that's really what I want to watch and, and I think that's going to be a lot of fun to really see who wins um, you know between that duo but I think in terms of the NFL draft and what we're talking about with the top five picks and who are who are the top prospects for the 2022 draft, I think four of them, at least, you know, at least in terms of the top prospects, have already been nailed down. Three of them are on defense. I already mentioned Ed Neal there for Alabama, the left tackle. I mean, 6'7, 340 pounds, the a dancing bear out there. You know, it, it's uh, to me, it's a lock. You know, Panay Sewell should have come off the board in, in the top five. He wound up falling to number seven to the Lions. Unless something happens with a couple of quarterbacks there, Evan Neal has to go top five. And then after that, you've got Kayvon Thibodeau, top pass rusher in this year's draft. I know he's battled that ankle injury uh you know against fresno state i think was when he sustained it and uh, really having a hard time coming back from that ankle but man before that happened he was really wreaking some havoc against the bulldogs and that's a good fresno state team that he that he was going up against had a strip sack on on jack hayner really changed the complexion of that game and uh you know you have at corner Derek stingley out of lsu we're going to be talking about him here in a minute and uh then you have Kyle Hamilton, the safety out of Notre Dame. So two guys from the secondary that are going to be playing in the top five. When you think about that, you know, the last corner to come off the board was Jeffrey Okuda in the in the top five. The last safety that we saw come off the board uh, you know that high would have been Jamal Adams going off the board number six overall. So it's going to be an interesting dynamic how everything plays out because there's one thing that we haven't even talked about yet, and it's that quarterback position. Who's going to be the first quarterback to come off the board? Are we going to see two quarterbacks at the top of the draft? We know that teams like Pittsburgh are desperate for a quarterback. Atlanta, at some point, we're going to see Atlanta decide that they're going to make that transition and away from Matt Ryan and uh, at least start bringing in a quarterback to start getting that process going because they don't want to end up like Pittsburgh where the cupboard is dry when their quarterback is ready to hang things up. So who is that quarterback going to be? Who are you know? Who are the guys that they're going to go after? Spencer Rattler out of Oklahoma and Sam Howell of UNC both have struggled, and I think a lot of their struggles can be attributed to the offensive line not really having a ton of, of time to uh, to make the throws. So they've been rushing their, their decisions. I think Sam Howell still. Holds on to the ball way too long. He's looking for the big play rather than just take what the defense gives him. Uh, and, and Spencer Rattler, he, he likes to, to drift a little bit, you know, with, with, within the pocket, um, you know, tries to force things into the coverage a little bit. I think for him, really for, for, for Rattler, he likes to get outside the pocket and throw on the move, kind of like a shortstop, and that's really where he's at his best. Uh, he's not the athlete that you know a, a Kyler Murray or a Jalen Hurts or even a Baker Mayfield are you know in terms of, of running with the football, but you know, he has that arm strength. It's one of those weird things with, with OU. Just like last year, they struggled to get things going. We've got the Red River shootout against Texas this weekend, so this is a prime time for Spencer Rattler to potentially turn the corner and really get that offense going in the right direction. It would be interesting to see what happens, but... There are some guys that are nipping at their heels. And with the way that Kyler Murray, who right now, in my opinion, is the favorite to, to win the MVP there in the NFL, you know, Arizona Cardinals 4-0. And uh, you know, they beat the Rams this last weekend. And, and Kyler Murray, you know, he's doing it with his legs, he's doing it with his arm. So teams, a lot of you know, a lot of teams are gonna be looking to find that guy. Find a guy that can be mobile, that can, you know, has the incredible arm strength. And so there are three guys that I think are really moving up boards. One of those is Matt Corral out of Mississippi. And yes, I know you're going to say, well, he couldn't beat Alabama, couldn't get the job done. Why would I want to take him number one overall or number two overall? And I'll tell you, you he's really cut down on that gunslinger mentality. He wasn't a number five quarterback coming into this season. And the big reason why was... The inconsistency. This was a guy who would throw a ton of picks and just be so erratic with his his decision making. And then after that, you know, especially against you know, there's a stretch I think against South Carolina and and Tennessee. And yes, I know that those defenses not uh, you know the Bama's and such, but he really uh, just. Put the light, you know, just lights out in terms of of throwing the football down the field. I think there was a stretch where he had 10 touchdowns, no interceptions, and was just super efficient throwing the football. This year you watch him against Bama, and even in a losing effort, you know, this is a guy who only had eight incompletions, a few of those were drops. So really, when you're talking about true incompletions that he threw, there weren't very many. And uh, you know, when you watch him and the decision-making process, this is a guy who I think is is really putting everything together. This is the right time for Matt Corral. You watch the arm strength, the flick of the wrist and the ball's out, you know, going, you know, 40, 50, 60 yards down the field. But these short to intermediate throws, they get on his receivers in a hurry and they allow the ball placement allows the receivers to get up the field and make plays. You know, and I think that's one of the things that, that you can really speak to. You watched Ontario Drummond run those slants. You watch Braylon Braylon Sanders on the sideline. There was one play against Bama uh, that I thought was really impressive. You know, with him it was a fourth down play and he didn't even get the completion. But he was rolling to his left, had Drew Sanders, the linebacker coming in his face, still kept his eyes down the field and threw the football to to Sanders down the sideline, put the ball away from the defender where only his receiver could get to it. And it just pulled the receiver out of bounds. I think uh, you know Jalen Armour Davis, the corner, actually pulled the receiver out of bounds, actually pushed him out, um, but nearly got his feet in bounds anyway. And it was just one of those plays to where he's got somebody in his face, He's really throwing kind of off his back foot and still had the arm strength to throw it down the sideline, kept his eyes up, wasn't looking at the pressure and able to get rid of the football. Guys like Sam Howell, you know, they're not necessarily going to be doing that. You know, And if you look at Carson Strong out of Nevada, not the most mobile guy by any means. And so you know, we'll get to him in just a sec. He reminds me more of a Mac Jones, a guy that's going to be the, the efficient quarterback. But when we get back to the mobile quarterbacks, Matt Corral is one of the guys that's right up there, but I'll tell you what, Malik Willis is the real deal. And if you saw him play against UAB uh, this past weekend, you'll understand why. You know, this guy 10 pass touchdowns so far in 2021, four rushing touchdowns as well. And what's incredible is when he gets out as a runner, and this is you know where Kyler Murray can excel as well. He's he does a great job evading the rush. He does a really good job. A couple of times where he was actually wrapped up in the backfield, he was able to shake free. You know, he's incredibly strong. This guy's put on a lot of weight. You know, since the time at Auburn, he's now up to 225 pounds. He runs through would-be tacklers and then has that speed and the acceleration to get down the field sets guys up and is, is juking guys out much like kyler murray you watch him when he throws the football the arm strength to you know just the flick of the wrist and the ball's out and it's a freaking cannon it's a laser uh getting to his guys and just very effortless with those throws there was a a deep crossing route cj daniels runs that route uh, put the ball on a mo- on the money just an effortless throw for, for 35 yards Malik Willis may be the most dynamic quarterback in this year's draft, and because of that, there is a great chance that we could see the Liberty quarterback taken number one overall. Not necessarily sure that it's going to happen, but there's a good chance—you know, much better chance, especially now that that Spencer Rattler and Sam Howell have kind of sputtered down the—you know—to uh, open up the season. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Then you have Desmond Ritter, and you know, you have a guy who. Is trying to lead Cincinnati into the college football playoff discussion. The, you know, Cincinnati went into Notre Dame and uh, and beat the Irish, and that's not not an easy thing to do, uh, especially for a Group of Five team. And he went in there and accomplished that. You know, he, he's erratic at times, especially with the deep ball deep ball accuracy. But you see, you know, he's a long strider. He's a really tall guy, long strider, and and is athletic. He can escape the pocket well, and when he's in the open field. Pretty elusive, and you love the arm strength. You know his ability to throw the, the deep ball to Alec Pierce, uh, a guy who I think is going to be an early day three prospect. Better speed than I thought that he had, and, and a guy that's going to go up and, and attack the football in the air. Definitely a legitimate deep threat. Um, but what I love with with. with Ritter is the leadership. You watch him, this is a guy who was in total command of that offense, and uh, you know, just really does a great job running uh, Luke Fickle's group, uh, much like Matt Corral. You know, if you watch him against Alabama, he was sitting there talking to uh, his skill position guys, he was talking to his offensive line, really establishing that, that leadership. And that's some, something that you know really just kind of speaks to you when you watch those guys play. Now, I mentioned Carson Strong and you know this is a guy again you know tremendous arm strength you know a guy who can be super efficient in in the short to intermediate um, you know does a really good job with some of his ball placement down the football field uh, super accurate so he reminds me a little bit more of Mac Jones he's not going to be the athlete that any of the other quarterbacks are that I mentioned but what he can do is be super intelligent with his passing and understand where to put the football where to go with it you know and and understand when he's reading the defense so carson strong is going to be one of those guys i think uh you know day two is probably the most realistic for him uh especially just with the number of quarterbacks that we're dealing with but uh it's going to be really interesting to see see how everything shakes out so episode nine If you follow my podcast, we've been doing my top ten by position. And last podcast, we we wrapped up the linebackers, both you know outside and inside. So we covered the edge rushers, off ball linebackers, and then the mics uh, as well. And now we're moving on to the secondary. That's really the last of my top ten list. And uh, we're going to work through the cornerbacks. We'll get to the safeties, and then what we'll do at the very end is we'll take a look at some of the matchups that are coming into the weekend that we haven't already discussed. So if we jump into the secondary, we're going to talk about the cornerbacks. And obviously the first guy that you have to talk about is Derek Stingley out of LSU 6'1", 195 pounds. This was a dude who burst onto the scene in 2019, wins that national championship, freshman All-American, six interceptions, 15 pass breakups. You just see the fluidity you know, with the way he plays, You know, the, the hips. There's no wasted movement, turns and runs, puts his body in a position to make a play on the football super intelligent um and one of the things that you've seen as well with his his ability to come up and 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 tackle and play the run you know you're talking about six tackles for loss in each of the you know in i'm sorry six tackles for loss in the last two seasons and uh you know only through three games in 2021 has a foot procedure that's going to go ahead and knock him out it sounds like for the rest of the season uh in 2020 missed a couple of games as well also through uh, through camp he was having some issues as well. It sounds like it's probably the same issue that he's dealing with with his foot. Um, so obviously there are some durability concerns. When you think about a guy like Caleb Farley, we were talking about him as potentially the number one corner in last year's draft. And then because of his back issues, ultimately he fell in the draft. Um, I, I don't see that necessarily happening happening with Stingley as long as everything with that foot checks out. Um, but... It is one of those things where you do, it is some cause for concern. There are red flags there, but this guy is an absolute athlete and a guy that uh, deserves to be at the top of the list. When you think about him um, over his first two seasons, I think you know they only completed uh, 40% of the passes that were thrown his way. Um, and, and, and again, he'll come downhill in the run game, a guy who is, is super explosive. One thing I will say, though, with his, his willingness to come up and tackle is while he, he is willing to do so, he, he needs to do a better job of actually wrapping up and, and tackling it. I think at the UCLA game, uh, Kyle Phillips ran a crossing route underneath. Um, Stingley ultimately got to the perimeter and got to the sideline and spun out of his tackle and got to the end zone for a touchdown Um, so really Stingley I think that's probably the biggest thing that I see is is he needs to work on that tackle uh, ability just a little bit uh, making sure that he wraps up but you know definitely a fast twitch athlete coming downhill super explosive and again like I said no wasted movement uh, when he's attacking the football Number two on my list is going to be uh, Kair Elam, another guy who actually is, is battling an injury right now. He sat out um, you know, this past game against Kentucky, suffered a knee injury against Alabama, and then uh, was out for another game. Uh, but 6'2", 196 pounds, and the junior, You know, if you watched him in that Alabama game uh, against Jamison Williams, one of the fastest receivers in, uh, this year, right in his hip pocket, and you know there's again no wasted movement you know you're talking about a guy who's 6-2 and he's keeping up with uh one of the more explosive receivers and he even tried to stop and start and then come back to the football uh really you're know, able to drive on on the ball once it was out of out of uh bryce young's hands got a hand in to knock the football away uh, you see the, the makeup speed that's one of the things that i i think is also really impressive times his jump well and really what i love is his ability to attack the football at the catch point uh, you know, really instinctive there, uh, 18 pass breakups in his career, five interceptions to this point. I just hope that he gets back on the field and is healthy so that we really can see what Kyrie Elam has, to, has to, to offer. So with those two guys really battling some injuries, I think it's time to to showcase Ahmad Sauce Gardner. Another big corner, this dude's 6'2", 6'3", 200 pounds. Uh, Cincinnati Bearcats have a pair of really tall corners. So when you're talking about that defense, you know, obviously there's Darian Beavers as well, uh, Majai Sanders uh, as a defensive end, but you know Sauce Gardner, Kobe Bryant, who we'll talk about here in a minute. Those guys are leading the way. Uh, and with Gardner, look, eight interceptions in his three seasons with the Bearcats, including two so far through four games in 2021. 14 pass breakups as a freshman. Two of his three interceptions, he actually returned for touchdown. Um, And what I really love about this guy is, you know, he he likes to be physical, likes to be up on you. Um, You see some savviness to him, you know, the ability to, you know, he he shut down, uh, shut down Ty Freifolder. You know, that was one of the things that I thought was so impressive was Ty Freifogel I thought was going to be one of the better receivers. You know, you're talking about the Big Ten receiver of the year, and uh, only one reception for 13 yards. Absolutely shut the guy down. Stride for stride, no separation, no waste of movement when he was coming back to the football. Uh, in, incredibly impressive there. Uh, this is a guy again. He likes to be up on the line and bump and run. Gets his hands on the on the receiver early to redirect. Um, he'll sit underneath, read the quarterback's eyes in a hurry, and um, you know against Notre Dame that was one of his picks. He was sitting there reading the quarterback's eyes, Darian Beavers in the quarterback's face, off you know fading away, and ultimately kind of a duck and it was an easy pick for, for Ahmad Gardner but he put himself in position to make a play um, you know and he'll line up into the boundary he'll line up um, onto the wide side as well um, but you love the the physicality. You love his, the understanding too uh, of some of the concepts. Uh, you know, Kevin Austin running across the field on a crossing route, and uh, you know the, the subtle tug of the jersey as they're they're going a- away from him. They talked about it on the broadcast, and it's just the, that savviness. That's one of the things that you don't see very often uh, with, with college corners. You know, they want to tug on the jersey, and it's really impeding the progress. And you see it so demonstratively. Uh, Um, But very subtle with Ahmad Gardner and uh, was ultimately able to, um, really as the ball arrived, drive on the football, get an arm in and break up the play. Savvy, savvy corner. And I'll tell you what, he's a guy that keep an eye on his draft stock. I think he could end up moving up and be that second corner taken in the draft. Be on the lookout for Ahmad Sauce Gardner. Now, number four on the list, I got Andrew Booth out of Clemson. Six foot, 200 pounds. This is a guy, you know, if you look at the stat line, you know, you're going to say, well, just two interceptions, six pass breakups, you know, big whoop. But, you know, this is a guy who I-, I think, you know, there's a reason why he doesn't see the football thrown his way all that often. You know, this is he's a kid who um, is incredibly instinctive, has good ball, uh, ball skills, um, you, you see him um, against Georgia. He was in and off coverage, read a swing pass to the running back James Cook, came downhill and actually beat the receiver's block to, to trip up the running back for no game. He understands and reads reads the defense or reads the offense really well. Um, you know, he closes in, in a hurry, makes sure he gets to the receiver, doesn't allow the receiver to turn up field. A really fun matchup was, was him against uh, Emeka Emezi there for NC State, one of the more underrated receivers uh, coming into this year's draft. You know, possession guy. Look, you know, Jacoby Myers came from NC State. Just remember that. Remember that name when we get on draft day. I, I think he's going to get drafted. But when you watch uh, Emezi, you know, he, he jabs step to the inside, then goes back to the outside. And what Booth does, he gets his hands on Emezi, Pinches him to the sideline, and then does that look and lean, and really, you know, pinches him and squeezes him so that there's really no room for that receiver to make a play. And look, he's looking back for the football. He has every right to that spot on the field as the receiver does. So really, you know, took him out of the play. Um, backs, you know, back shoulder throw on the very next play. Ultimately, was a touchdown inside position really forced the perfect throw to the outside and uh you know Devin Leary put the ball on the money allowing Emezi to extend away from Booth uh you know that was really impressive that was actually the first offensive touchdown Clemson had actually given up Booth is trying to just follow in the line of all the Clemson corners right you know you see all of them coming in from AJ Terrell to Trayvon Mullen Andrew Booth is a guy that could be the next corner uh, in that group uh, Michael Wright out of Oregon 5'11", 182 pounds a guy, uh, let's see, you know, five tackles for loss uh, to go along with the two interceptions and 16 pass breakups so you know, definitely a guy who loves to come downhill, he has three tackles for loss so far through five games this season um, so definitely a guy who isn't afraid of contact, he's never going to shy away from it uh, one of the things that I really was impressed with was the, the instincts that you saw in that Arizona game going against Jordan McLeod. Uh, you know, McLeod was rolling out, it was around the goal line, and you know he thought he had a receiver there in the back of the end zone, and Michael Wright really baited the quarterback into making the throw. He was sitting underneath, and the moment that Jordan McLeod started to make his throw, you see Wright drive on the football and uh, ultimately extends right in that throwing lane, you know, right in the end zone, extends for the football, and makes the interception. Incredible play, and really, if you turn on that Ohio State game, I know Oregon beat Ohio State. If you turn on that game, you're going to see just you know a battle of tremendous athletes. You know, he, he was battling Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. It was really a lot of fun. And uh, I think Jackson Smith and Jigba also went over 100 yards, and I think some of that was due to we got to get the ball to somebody else because Michael Wright was was locking guys up. Um, you know, and I know that Alave and Garrett Wilson also went over 100 yards, but Michael Wright, you know, w- w- what I thought was impressive was he was able to keep up with both of those guys, showed that he can belong. Um, you saw him in bail technique, and you know, no wasted movement, uh, plants and drives with the receiver. Supremely confident in his ability. know that can get him into trouble a little bit. He was chirping a lot with the Buckeye receivers, but definitely a guy who has shown he belongs and a guy that I think is definitely worthy of a, an early day two pick. Now with Michael Wright and Roger McCreary, I kind of gone back and forth between the two of them. McCreary six interceptions in his career, one that he's already taken back for touchdown this year, and uh, eighteen pass breakups. But I'll tell you what. Last year, this guy had seven tackles for loss, a guy that really was was physical against the run, a guy that wanted to come up and hit you, um, and that just carries over into 2021. He was a guy that I thought had a chance to be a first-round corner a season ago, and, and I think there's a good chance that we could see that happen again. One of the things that I loved was watching him go up against uh, Jahan Dotson there of uh, a, a Penn State running stride for stride with dots and that look and lean again just squeezing him into the sideline gave him no room um, you know one of his picks it was really like a fair catch you know, Sean Clifford took a big hit from the linebackers of Kobe McClain on a blitz ball kind of hung up in the in the air got away from him easy pick so, you know, but, but really, even on those easy picks, they're putting themselves in a position to make a play on the football, even in those situations. Uh, but with McCurry, what I love, again, a six-foot corner and a guy who's going to be really physical. I'm watching him, and I think there's a great chance that he could end up being a first-round corner. And just because Michael Wright right now is sitting above Roger McCreary doesn't mean that McCreary won't end up passing him up. You know, and when you talk about you know, the corners and, and cornerbacks coming off the board in round number one, I think that's probably the right time to talk about that. When you look at last season, obviously we had JC Horn, Patrick Sertan come off the board in the top 10. And when you talk about that, you go back a year and you had Jeffrey Okuda and uh, CJ Henderson, same thing. Two corners coming off the board in the top 10. And, and so, you know, 2019, kind of a down year for corners. You had Denzel Ward come off the board in 2018. Um, but the cornerback position is becoming more and more uh, of a focal point, you know, obviously because of the passing game, safeties as well. And we'll talk about safeties here in a little bit. But, you know, when you talk about that cornerback position, and guys, look, you know, we have five come off the board in 2021. Uh, in 2020, we had another uh, six corners come off the board. So in, in 2021, uh, in addition to Horn and Sertan, and then obviously Farley at 22 to the Titans. Greg Newsom uh, went to the Browns. Eric Stokes going to the Packers. All of those guys look like keepers. Um, you go back to 2020, uh, You know Okuda and Henderson, and you had A.J. Uh, Terrell coming off the board at number 16, Damon Arnett, you Noah know, Igbinogheni and, and Jeff Gladney. So, corners, corners, corners. You got six guys who are really going to be those top corners. I think these are the guys that we're really talking about here. Uh, and then you get into Trent McDuffie, you know, 5'11, 195 pounds, the redshirt sophomore there for Washington. And look, you know, uh, you know Elijah Molden is gone. So you have Trent McDuffie, you have Kyler Gordon a pair of corners who are just dynamic. The ball hawks, they have a nose for the football. Look, you know, when you look at, at Trent McDuffie, he's got three forced fumbles, three fumble recoveries to go along with a couple of picks, five pass breakups, has that nose for the football, um, you know, a little undersized, a guy that we may end up seeing play some in the, uh, the slot. Uh, you look at Kyler Gordon, he's the bigger corner, six foot, 200 pounds. You know, another guy, again, very instinctive, got his first two interceptions this season. Washington, a down year, but I'm telling you, those corners, they can play with anyone. They're two of the top uh, four corners in Impact 12 play. You've got, uh, you know, Mike Wright. One other guy to, to make mention of is uh, Caillou Blue Kelly. Now, I have him number nine on my list right now. Uh, but at six 186 pounds, a junior out of Stanford, uh, really burst onto the scene this year. A couple of picks, one of which that he returned for touchdown against USC. Seven pass breakups, and uh, you know this is the son of Brian Kelly, the former USC Trojan and Tampa Bay Buccaneer. But what I love about about Blue Kelly is you know obviously the the length. That's one of the things that you definitely see with him. But you watch him go up against Drake London, and Drake London. You want to talk about a beast. He, he's absolutely that. Leading the, the country in targets, leading it in receptions and touchdowns. He's just a physical freak. He is not Calvin Johnson because I don't think he's going to be running in the four threes come uh, the combine. But, you know, London, man, he attacks it like an aggressive basketball player going for a rebound. And it's really a lot of fun to watch. But you watch Blue Kelly um, you know, going over the top of Drake London on a go route you know, going up and knocking the football away, you know, and, and you love being able to see him undercut the, the out routes, getting his hand in to, to make a play on the football as well, you know, really giving Drake, Drake London a hard time. Um, you know, And that interception that I mentioned, it was a, a slant uh, to Drake London, it was third and five, and Kelly was just trailing the route, and London would have had the first down, but Keaton Slovis throws it off his back shoulder, goes through the hands of Drake London, right into the hands of Kelly, returns to 31 yards for the score. So he put himself in a position to make the play. Um, you know, one of the things that you, you did see was, was London ultimately used his strength to his advantage, muscled him, got him behind him, and boxed him out for, for an 11-yard touchdown. Um, but still, you know, Kelly, you saw him be physical, wanted to attack the football whenever possible. Um, you know, you saw him against not only the, the strength of, of London, but then he goes vertically against a speed merchant like Philip Brooks at Kansas State, um, gets inside leverage on him, able to high point and control the football, get a foot down as well, showed that body control. Uh, there was a swing pass going to Deuce Vaughn in the slot, ran through the receiver block, diving play to the, to the receiver. Looks like he affected the pass with his jump, ultimately blew up the play because the receiver, uh, you know, Vaughn dropped the uh, drop the pass and you know it's just the instincts and you see the bloodlines that are there I love the size you know, he, you know Paulson Adebo was a guy that really did a great job attacking the football Caillou Blue Kelly is another guy to really keep an eye out for and then uh, another guy that I have in my in my group is is Kobe Bryant out of Cincinnati uh, named after the late great basketball player Kobe Bryant but spelled differently uh, Coby, 6'1", 198 pounds. This is a guy seven interceptions, 30 pass breakups, really good size, excellent ball skills. You know, a guy that doesn't make a ton of mistakes out there, and uh, a guy who's just you know he's just going to be a consistent performer. And you know, when you talk about guys, even here at, at seven, eight, and nine. You know, if you look at this last year's draft, you're talking about, well, who's going to come off the board, you know, at that seven, eight, nine group. Well, if you're talking about seven, eight, nine, they have a great chance to come off the board in round number two. If you look at last year's draft, you had Tyson Campbell, Kelvin Joseph, and Asante Samuel all come off the board in round number two. So if you're scoring at home, that's five corners coming off the board in round one and another three coming off the board in round two. So that's eight right there. So these guys you're looking at are going to be guys that are going to be considered in the first two rounds of the draft. And really after that, you could potentially fall to round three and still be a, a, a guy. Paulson Adebo fell to round three, and he's looking like a keeper there for the Saints. Absolutely. Elijah Molden, also a third rounder, even you know, Ifatu Milifongwu for the Lions. To round number three, so there are a lot of guys uh, that, that you could pick up later on in the draft, and so just showing that just because you're further down in some of the rankings doesn't mean that you're not going to find your home. Uh, you know, when we talk about uh, you know, number 10 on my list, 10 11, uh, you're looking at Taiwan Mullen out of Indiana, five, uh, 5'10, 180 pounds, the junior, excellent ball skills. Three interceptions, twenty pass breakups. A guy who's also extremely physical. Eighty-three tackles, but he had eight—you know, eight of those went for loss. Three and a half sacks. Very instinctive. A guy. And again, I talk about Elijah Molden being a playmaker. I look at Taiwan Mullen. I, I think he's going to be a nickel at the next level, much like Elijah Molden. Play a lot of his his time. Spend spend that time in the slot. Uh, but a guy who I think is definitely uh, going to be a, a third rounder and a guy that's going to come in and make some plays. Right away for whoever drafts him. A couple of other guys to mention: uh, Josh Job out of Alabama, Darion Kendrick of Georgia, formerly of Clemson. Now with Josh Job, um, 16 pass breakups, including 11 a season ago. Um, you know he really had a stellar 2020 season. I think he struggled a little bit so far in 2021. Has only played in three games, so I think injuries have kind of slowed him up. And it may be injuries that have affected his play, um, but a lot of penalties against Josh Job against Florida. I don't know how many times he was called for defensive pass interference in that game. Uh, you know, J- Jacob Copeland down the sideline, gets his hands on the receiver, impedes his process of the receiver go- when he was coming back to the football. Receiver goes down later on in the game, runs up the back of Copeland on a vertical route. Just needs to, to be more composed as a corner. You know, you wonder again if injuries are playing a part in that, but still, you know, that's something that has to be cause for concern. You look at Darion Kendrick, and this is a guy who supremely confident there at Clemson, a guy that people were talking about as a potential first-rounder coming into last year's draft. Uh, then, ultimately, he was... Uh, left Clemson, was excused from the team there. Um, You know, obviously the off-field issues teams are gonna have to take a look at. Um, Moves to Georgia, he's played in five games, but just hasn't really found uh, his footing there with the Bulldogs, and you know, that's really one of the things that you're concerned about is is what you're gonna see with Darion Kendrick. Uh, Can he return to that form from Clemson? He's gonna have to answer to really why he had to leave Clemson and, and move to Georgia. Some of those off field concerns and really with this play there at Georgia, you know, I think that could send his draft stock down. You could be looking at a guy that teams may take in the fourth or fifth round and you're saying, okay, if that's the case, teams could get a steal if he can really get things going. But that's really the biggest concern right now that I have for Darion Kendrick. Switching gears to the safety position. And obviously, when we talk about safeties, you have to talk about number 14 for the Fighting Irish, and that's Kyle Hamilton, 6'4", 219 pounds, the junior, has been a stud ever since he walked on campus there in South Bend. Uh, Four interceptions, six pass breakups, uh, you know, there in 2019, uh, to go along with 41 tackles, upped it up to 63 tackles there in 2020, uh, had an interception and six pass breakups there. This is the guy the teams have been wanting to get their hands on. Uh, really since that freshman year, his freshman All-America season. And, uh, you know, a guy who he can be physical against the run. He, you know, plays well over the top. He can cover. And for a guy his size, being 6'4 and 220 pounds, the fluidity in his hips and his ability to turn and run and and sink those hips and come back to the football, uh, drive on routes, um, is really impressive. And, man, you know, against Cincinnati, he even showed that, he, he can be a gunner you know um, you know, pumped by Jay Bramblett you know a guy who's known for all of his hang time flies down the field and uh, just buries Ryan Montgomery didn't fair catch arrives right after the catch delivers that huge hit drives through the, the pump returner a legal huge hit on the on the pump returner um, you saw against Florida State um, you know just the incredible range this was the guy he was lined up on, on the opposite hash. is reading this throw coming all the way across the field and i think when the ball was actually released he was at the near hash still had to get all the way to the sideline diving interception made a play on the football um you know he he lined up against the running back uh in that game Deshaun corbin in, in the slot very good hips change of direction quarterback released undercut for the pick along the sideline very impressive play there as well uh you saw in in wisconsin um third down play covering jake jake ferguson went in motion out into the flat he used his hands at the top of the route to slap kyle hamilton's hands away on inside you know and gets inside leverage on him but you saw hamilton quickly recover on his hip use his length to disrupt the catch point ultimately the ball was thrown too far out in front of, of ferguson by graham mertz and otherwise really you know kyle hamilton would have made the play it reminds me also of the Cincinnati game where he was covering Trey Tucker in the slot. Receiver plans to get to the outside, had a step, but you saw Hamilton recovering and really expected the ball to be thrown on the outside. If he does that, he makes a play on the football, possibly even picks it off. But ultimately what happened was Ritter um, underthrew it a bit to the inside. Whether or not he meant to do it, you know, that's really up for debate, but ultimately he tried to get back around and wound up not being able to do so and Tucker wound up scoring, but just You know, the the intelligence, the understanding where that football is going to be and and looking to make a play not where, you know, where the football is, it's where the football is going to be. And, you know, I thought that was really, you know, still showing off those instincts there for Kyle Hamilton. And again, he's a sure tackler in the open field, does everything that you want. He's a team captain there for the Irish. To me, he has to be uh, considered as a top five pick, uh, absolutely. And, you know, he can play a linebacker in the box. You know, you can move him out, really move him wherever you want to on the field. Uh, You know, he's just a dynamic playmaker. For me at number two, I'm looking at Jaquan Brisker out of Penn State, 6'1", 204 pounds, a guy who has 104 tackles so far in his career, seven going for loss, four interceptions, 11 pass breakups, at that safety position. And, and again, when you talk about versatility, um, you know you have to bring up Jaquan Brisker's name as well. Um, you know what I what I saw there with uh, Auburn running four verticals, you know, able to to adjust and get back outside on Demetrius Robertson. Um, you know, got a hand up at, at the end there to make a play. You saw uh, you know, reading a screen in front of him, ran through John Schenker, uh, Samuel Schenker, the tight end's block, dropped the receiver for a one-yard loss there as well. Um, you know, just uh, what was it? The the, the running back, uh, Jarquez Hunter, you know, tried to, to juke him in the open field one-on-one, but he was able to trip up that running back, you know, grabbing his foot and got him to trip up there as well. Um, a guy who, you know, even in the, in the end of that game, 26 yard line of Penn State with three seconds left. Penn State only up 28 to 20. Bo Nix back to pass, looked to his left on the post. Brisker reading the play, drove on the football downhill, broke up the pass to seal the win. Um, a guy who just. Always seemed to be in the right place at the right time against Wisconsin. He showed his toughness. Um, had calf tightness in the game. Went down four different times. Still battled back. Still wanted to be in there and make a play. You know, this is a guy who I think you know he he has some cover skills. A guy against the run. He's shooting downhill through the A-gap, making a play, sometimes behind the line of scrimmage. I'm a big fan of number one there for the Nittany Lions. He's number two on my list. And uh, then we're going to have to travel out west. So we start from the from the, the east coast, we're going to move to the west coast, and we're going to talk about Verone McKinley. You know, don't let that size fool you. He's only 5'11", 194 pounds. But Verone McKinley the third, number 23 for Oregon, is the guy who just flies around to the football all over the field. You see the instincts, um, you know, his ability to to play over the top and, you know, that sideline-to-sideline side ability. You also see the, the ball skills. He was able to attack the football in the air. Um, one of the things that you saw in that Ohio State game, C.J. Stroud looking for a crossing route, um, was forced from the pocket, rolling to the right, trying to hit a receiver along the sideline. Ball sailed a little bit. And uh, as Varone McKinley was coming over the top, able to not only pick off the pass, but had the body control to get both feet in down in bounds to seal that win. Um, you saw you know kickoff return by Emeka Ibuka. And you know he comes in, rips out the fo- at the football for a strip. ball ultimately bounced back to Ohio State, but you know a guy who's making plays there uh, in-, in the kicking game as well. Um, Downhill, um, you know, attacking the football, drilling uh, Garrett Wilson as the ball arrived at the catch point. Um, the versatility there from Verone McKinley is what I really enjoy and what I like to see. He's number three on my list right now, a guy that I think can come in there and play right away uh, at the next level. Daxton Hill out of Michigan, another guy that you can also say the same thing. Six foot, 192 pounds, a junior. Three interceptions in his career, 11 pass breakups, has 104 tackles, five going for loss. Also has a half sack to his credit. Um, A a guy who you talk about versatility and all these guys are very versatile. And I think that's what really speaks to uh, the type of talent that we have at the safety position in 2021. I think his performance against Wisconsin uh, just really speaks to the versatility You saw the the range coming over the top against the pass. Uh, You saw the downhill ability to deliver a big hit on crossing routes. Um, You also saw his ability to line up in the slot, um, take off at the snap, and drill the quarterback for for a sack. Um, He can play coming from depth and make plays against both the run and affecting the quarterback in the pocket. Um, One of the things that I thought was really impressive, there was a deep out by Shamir DK, um, closed, recovered after the cut, ripped down on the receiver's left arm as he was going to the ground to force that interception then he comes back later on, a leaping interception as the backup, Chase Wolf stared down his receiver, was sitting underneath that out route, jumped and picked off the pass. Uh, you know, they're up 23 to 10 in the fourth quarter, which led to a score, and ultimately Michigan was able to go on and beat uh, the Badgers. Uh, one of the things that I thought was really good against Washington, his ability to keep outside leverage against the run, plays going off tackle, forced the run back inside, spilled it back into that linebacker. And then against Western Michigan, Uh, There was a uh, catch in the flat, a check down to the running back, came from depth in a hurry to break on the football and light up the running back, Jackson Kincaid, for for no gain. Very aggressive, excellent closing speed. You saw him blow up a tunnel screen there against the Broncos as well for no gain. A guy that likes to play around the line of scrimmage but isn't afraid to play over the top, um, can cover a little bit you know, very explosive player. So you love that versatility. That's why I have him sitting there at number four on my list. And number five is Brandon Joseph. They're out of Northwestern. And the thing with, with Brandon Joseph, obviously I think everybody was talking about him bursting onto the scene in 2020 with six interceptions and I think that's one of the things that obviously is going to jump out is the, the ball skills and his ability to, uh, you know, he takes good angles to the football, reads the quarterback well, no wasted movement, trusts his eyes and and just drives on the football there. Tremendous range coming over the top as well so when you think you've got uh, you know man coverage, you think that you're able to, to fit a ball in, he can come from the opposite side of the field to make a play on the football and also takes really good angles coming from depth against the run I think what's different from from you know separates those other corners from Joseph is I think those other corners are a little bit more physical than than Joseph and that adds to their versatility you're not going to see Brandon Joseph playing in the box he's more of a guy that's going to be your center fielder a guy that's going to play deep and there's always a home and always a place for those guys. I just think some of that versatility is is really going to, that's why I have them in my top four. I'm not going to sit there and move Brandon Joseph outside of my top five because the ball skills are ridiculous. You know, when he arrives at the football, he's going to make a play on it. And chances are he's going to come down with a pick. Um, so, you know, you look at Northwestern and they have, you know, a history of, of defensive backs you know, making it to the next level um you know Ibrahim Campbell is, is getting playing time still there in the in the league obviously Greg Newsom was a first round pick in this past year's draft I think Brandon Joseph is going to be the next uh defensive back there coming for the Wildcats uh number six on my list is Jalen Petrie out of Baylor six foot 197 pounds very versatile. Um, he played linebacker's first three years there with the Bears. Ultimately moved to safety, kind of that, that star position. Uh, 143 tackles in his career, 23 going for loss, including 11 uh, last season. Uh, four and a half sacks, three interceptions, two of which were returned for touchdowns. Four pass breakups and a couple of forced fumbles as well. Um, and really what you say is, is this is a guy he loves to play in the box? He loves to come up and try to hit you um he, he's physical he's going to be playing all over the field um you know against iowa state he was having a lot of fun uh trying to contain um Reese hall uh beating you know tackles coming off the blitz and, and getting into the backfield but here's the thing with, with jalen petrean what kind of drives me nuts is he he flies out of control you know against iowa iowa state you have brock purdy you know, had him in his sights, coming off the blitz. You know, actually was able to to sack him, but because he was so out of control, Purdy was able to spin away and uh, and escape that pressure. What you saw against Oklahoma State, you know, there were several times where he was able to uh, make a play. There was one where uh, you know Spencer Sanders, uh, quarterback draw, and he was trying to bounce it to the outside. Petrie coming downhill, out of control, dives at the quarterback's legs and ultimately whiffs. You know, and. Same you know, with a run play with Jalen Warren, the, the transfer there, uh, the transfer running back for Oklahoma State, and he had the chance to make the tackle on Jalen Warren for just a little game, but he just dove wildly and whiffed completely on the running back, ultimately scored on a seven-yard uh, touchdown scamper. And so the thing with Petrie is, is, yes, he's a ball hawk, yes, he flies around to the football, But when he's coming downhill, he needs to be under control. He needs to ultimately line up his guys, square him up, and drive through the the ball carrier. Right now, he's not reliable enough for me to really put him into my top five. I I think a lot of people are excited about his ability to fly around. I thought he really did a good job uh, really tormenting Charlie Kolar uh, when he's dropping into coverage, but if you can't tackle guys in space, you're... You're not going to be on the field very long, and that's one of the things that I think he does need to definitely clean up. Uh, Jalen Catalan out of Arkansas, undersized safety, 5'10", 210 pounds, uh, redshirt sophomore, You know, five interceptions, eight pass breakups, three forced fumbles in his career, uh, had 99 tackles in 2020 as a redshirt freshman. And this is a guy who, again, you know is... All over the field, incredibly instinctive. Loves to play against the run, so you're going to see him lining up in the box quite a bit. Um, you know, against Georgia, he's lining up. You know, in the box, uh, making plays against the running backs in, in the backfield. Uh, you know he's a strong safety a guy that's just you know, he's gonna look to hit you he's gonna look to wrap you up and, and make some plays um has some range as well uh, against the pass, but he's a guy that i think is more of a box defender than anything else uh, when i look at lewis Seen out of georgia 6'1 210 pounds a season ago he was known for that big hit on kyle pitts that knocked him out for a couple of games uh it was a targeting penalty really you know came over the top and you know, concussion there for, for Pitts. Everybody wanted to see Kyle Pitts make plays, and uh, you know that was the big hit that kind of knocked him out. Um, but when you look at Scene and what he's able to do, uh, what I thought was impressive against Traylon Burks. You know, going up against Arkansas, the big physical receiver. Climbs the ladder with his right hand, comes over the top, and jars the ball free from the receiver. I thought that was really impressive. You saw against South Carolina, comes downhill, meets the big physical uh, running back, Kevin Harris, in the hole. Drills him, but it doesn't wrap up, and ultimately the running back falls forward. So again, this is another guy who's going to look for the kill shot but he doesn't wrap up all, all the time. So that's really one of the things that you worry about. Um, but what I did like against Clemson, is ability to, to cover the tight end. You know, Braden Galloway on a wheel route was able to take him away. DJ Uliangalole you know, was looking that way and he wasn't able to, uh, able to go there. Later on, you saw on a crossing route to Galloway, drove on the football to break it up. Um, there was a return route to the tight end on a third and five play, able to punch the ball free as the tight end was turning up the field Ultimately, was ruled an incomplete pass, and his ability to play over the top. You know, against South Carolina, did a really good job. You know, I think it was a 43-yard play uh, to, to Josh Van on on this deep ball over the top. Came over and got a hand in between the arms of the receiver. Um, you know, and Van ultimately bobbled it, tried to control it to the ground, wound up hitting the ground. That, that ability to play over the top, that ability to affect the catch point, get his hands in between the hands of the receiver. Uh, ultimately made that play and really prevented a a big gain 43 yards there against the Gamecocks so that versatility again with Lewis Seen is something that definitely shows up he just needs to play a little bit under more under control I think that's that's the biggest thing for me right now I young out of Iowa State 510 210 pounds redshirt sophomore Uh, sat out the 2019 season with his redshirt year and uh, was one of the, the top safeties for uh, Iowa State there in 2020, and he's really an impact player for the Cyclones in 2021. Um, you know, he's he's a redshirt sophomore, so I don't know that he'll necessarily decide to enter the draft, but he's physical. You're going to see him play in the box, fills downhill against the run. Um, you know, a, a guy who is in t- incredibly intelligent as well. You saw him against Baylor as the quarterback. Uh, Bohannon was going down, got his hand in, and was able to reach the ball free, uh, punched it loose, um, and then after the ball was punched loose, it was right before the quarterback goes to the ground, he gets his hand in there and rips it free, and then as Treston Ebner, the running back, was trying to recover, he was able to rip the ball out of the running back's grasp as well. And then, you know, the other safety, Kim Manny King, ultimately recovers the football. Iowa going the uh, Iowa State going the other direction. Um, again, you know, he's physical coming downhill from depth as a robber. Um, you know, against Iowa, mirroring. You know, Tyler Goodson sees the handoff, shoots downhill, wraps him up. Very physical. I think that's the thing that you really see with with Aishim Young. He's a guy that's going to love to play in the box, uh, love to uh, fly around and make some plays on the football. Um, you know, read a deep ball to Tyrone T- Tracy there against the Hawkeyes. Uh, up the middle of the field on a post. Showed really good closing speed to recover, anticipating the throw to ensure that the pass was defended. Um, you know, I-, I really am a fan of Aishim I- Young, and I think he's one of those ascending prospects. Jordan Battle out of Alabama, six foot 210 pounds, another big hitter one of the leaders of that Alabama secondary and then Tyke Smith there for Georgia. a guy who's also battled some injuries, 510, 198 pounds. when you saw him in West Virginia, a guy that just continued to make plays, uh, you know 10 and a half tackles for loss, uh, four interceptions. Nine pass breakups, but he's another guy that's been battling injuries there at Georgia. They're getting him back. They're going to get him back into uh, the flow of the defense. I've got him outside of my top 10 right now just because we haven't gotten to see too much of him in 2021. I think some of these other guys have really stepped up their play, and that just speaks to the amount of depth at the safety position. So I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, really how the really secondary as a whole. Because You see a lot of corners as well uh, that are really exceptional and we haven't mentioned everybody um, on that cornerback list there are a lot of guys so as we move closer and closer to the draft as we start talking about the different positions the secondary there's a lot of there are a lot of guys that are out there that we're gonna be excited about and hopefully week to week we'll be able to showcase some of those corners and, and safeties going forward so that puts a wrap on my top 10 list so now let's take a look at the matchups going into the weekend um, for those of you on Friday October 8th uh, you know, looking to find something to do on your Friday night how about tune in to watch Cincinnati at home Nippert Stadium number five ranked Bearcats taking on Temple Desmond Ritter and company you'll get to see the, the corners that we just talked about Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant uh, Alec Pierce the receiver Darian Beavers the linebacker reminds me a lot of Zayvon Collins um, you know Stanford and Arizona State the Cardinals Flying to Tempe, Sun Devil Stadium to take on Arizona State. Number 22 ranked Sun Devils. Arizona State, you'll get to watch Jaden Daniels, a very efficient quarterback. Tremendous athlete. I really want to see this guy uh, open up the playbook a little bit more. I see a lot of the athleticism. I see some of the accuracy, but I really want to see him open up things a little bit more and really get some more of those throws down the field. That short to intermediate, yes, we're able to see that, but can I see him push the football down the field? It it usually seems like if they run those routes deep, he ends up wanting to take off because that offensive line may not always be holding up. Although that offensive line does have Kellen Deesh at left tackle, they also have Donovan West at, at center. Two guys that we'll be talking about as the season progresses for sure. The linebacking core there, uh, you know, especially with Merlin Robertson and uh, and Darian Butler, Jack Jones in the corner, someone else to keep an eye out for, Sun Devils, uh, you know, Stanford, though, with Tanner McKee, that, that quarterback is the real deal. He's really one of those guys that is on the rise. And the guy that we're going to be talking about, he and Oregon State's Chance Nolan, uh, two quarterbacks that nobody's been talking about, but they're really the talk of the Pac-12 right now. Moving on to Sunday, I mentioned the Red River uh, rivalry, a number six Sooners and the number 21 ranked Texas Longhorns, Cotton Bowl, Dallas, Texas, you got the, the Texas State Fair going on. And uh, Spencer Rattler, let's see what you can do against the, this Texas defense. You got Overshown. Uh, you know, Overshown. Damarvian Overshown, number zero, reminds me a lot of uh, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, the second round pick of, of the Browns in this past year's draft. You know, what he did there for Notre Dame, you're going to see a lot of the same things there with overshone. I think that's going to be really a, a nice test for Spencer Rattler to really see if he can elevate his game and take things to the next level. Um, You've got Ole Miss taking on Arkansas. So the two losers of the, the games against Bama and, and Georgia will duke it out uh, in, in Bob hemingway Stadium there in Oxford, Mississippi. Uh, Matt Corral getting to go up against that three-man front. And that's going to be fun to watch because Arkansas, they're going to rush three, drop eight, and they're going to see if Trey Williams can get home coming off the edge. What can Matt Corral do to adjust and really when you have eight guys dropping what are you going to do with the football hopefully Jonathan Mingo will be able to come back and you'll have another receiver there in that uh, in that passing attack um, on Arkansas side you got KJ Jefferson there uh, want to see them run the football a little bit better uh, but treylon Burks is is worth the price of admission alone um, you know, you'll also get a chance to see Jalen Catalan the, the safety there play for the Razorbacks as well. Georgia moving on to Jordan-Hare Stadium to take on the number 18th-ranked Auburn Tigers. Um, you know The question will be Is JT Daniels healthy enough to play or is Stetson Bennett going to be in there again? We may see a, a huge dose of the running game with Zamir White running the football behind that, that physical offensive line. Uh, Bo Nix is going to be running for his life. When you see a guy like, like Jordan Davis, who's 6'6", 360 pounds, that man-child, I mean, that dude is huge. And, and yet... You know, I wouldn't be surprised if he runs a sub-540 because of just the explosiveness, his ability to run running backs down to the perimeter, and then the bevy of linebackers. I mentioned Penn State. Well, Georgia's got, you know, they've they've got so many guys there. You've got Nolan Smith who can... Co- rush off the edge Channing Tindall very versatile to play inside or outside you got Quay Walker there and then the best blitzing linebacker in the country in Nicobe Dean the guy who was just so disruptive there uh, at inside linebacker to me he's the best inside backer in the country you know I, I don't think there's a question you know a lot of people like Christian Harris I just don't think Christian Harris can cover nowhere near the way that uh, that N'Kobe Dean can Um, so that'll be a fun matchup to watch but I think Georgia ends up winning running away Uh, Wake Forest Let's see how for real they are. They'll take on Syracuse there in the Carrier Dome. Number nineteenth ranked, ranked Demon Deacons uh, against Syracuse. That'll be a fun game. I'll finally get to watch the Demon Deacons play and Syracuse for that matter. Um, I'll be excited to watch that. Uh, number four ranked Penn State Nittany Lions. Just mentioned that game earlier. Uh, going up, uh, going to Kinnick Stadium against number three ranked Iowa Hawkeyes. You know that's going to be a, a, a fun game. Can Penn State? take out Tyler Goodson. That's really what you need to do is force them to be one-dimensional and force Spencer Petrus to beat you. Put guys in the box and let's see what Spencer Petras can do. Um, he's, he's been inconsistent. Um, when he does throw the football down the field with accuracy, he can be deadly. But the problem with it is is you don't see it often enough. You know, a lot of throws that are behind, a lot of, you know, just ill-timed throws. Um, so he, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, you know, Penn State, you know, Sean Clifford, uh, an up and down season, you know, the running back, really a running back by committee. Uh, Noah Kane is probably going to get the start there. And then obviously you have Jahan Dotson, but Penn State, they're going to live and die by that defense. And I think Penn State ends up eking out uh, that one, even though Tyler Goodson, if he gets off and running, then there's no way Penn State can can come back. But I just think that defense will bottle up Tyler Goodson and force Spencer Petrus to beat him, and I just don't know that that's going to happen. So we we move on. You know, Notre Dame traveling to Blacksburg. I'll be curious to see just how many quarterbacks will be playing. Uh, Jack Cohn, Drew Pine, uh, you know, Tyler Buckner. Who's it going to be? You know, Kyron Williams is going to have to have a big game. Uh, You know, you've got Amari Barno there for Virginia Tech. Um, so I'll want to keep a, an eye on that game for sure. Kentucky, hey, they're number uh, 16 in the country now. Uh, so they're a legitimate team, you know, if you will, legitimately ranked team. Um, Josh Paschal, there's a name to know. Number four for Kentucky, you know, he, he's uh, the tackle for loss leader in the SEC. So explosive getting up the field. You, you watch his hands, uh, his ability to bend. He can play either on the outside or they've lined him up at defensive tackle to shoot gaps and really wreak havoc against those guards. Um, keep an eye out for him in that game. Uh, watching him against LSU, Kayvon Boutet is going to have to have a big game uh, for LSU, that's going to be an interesting one. Um, uh, you know, Bama traveling to AM, AM unranked. Um, you know, I, I think ultimately. It'll be interesting to see how this one plays out because I, I think you've got that front, you've got PV, you've got Leal uh, really going up against that vaunted Alabama offensive line. And I think if they can pressure Bryce Young, uh, then you potentially have something going for you. Um, but, man, if they start running the football with regularity, those linebackers really are going to have to step up and make plays. Um, you know, The, the D-line is going to give them opportunities to make plays. That's really where I worry uh, you know, Aaron Hansford, you know, there, there was a, a run play and he ends up shoving the, 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 the running back forward instead of actually wrapping up. You know, just a terrible tackling uh, for the Aggies, uh, you know, and you have to play perfect football against Alabama. I just don't see that happening. USC continuing to try to resurrect their season under interim head coach Dante Williams. They take on Utah at the Coliseum. Uh, Carson Palmer, uh, SC's uh, Heisman Trophy winner Um, back when I went to school at SC. uh, And, uh, you know, Carson Palmer is going to be recognized for his college football Hall of Fame induction there at the Coliseum. Uh, USC, you know, I expect them to take care of business there against Utah. Tune in and watch that game. It's a late game there uh, at the Collie. but you know, again, Drake London worth the price of admission for sure. So those are the games to really be on the lookout for and keep an eye on. Um, you know, there's a lot for me to, to cover. So we'll be talking about who really stood out for me this weekend in our next podcast that will be released next week. I'm really looking forward to it. I hope you are as well. So until next time, everyone, this has been the Ready for the Draft podcast. I've been your host, Greg Shoots. Take care, everyone. Enjoy your weekend. And until next time, I am out of here.